no matter how stressed out you are, there's a playfulness that is sexual in nature that is very fulfilling. This is episode 18 with Master Kundalini instructor and author Hari Kaur. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast about love, sex, and identity in the modern world. I'm your host, Jared Matthew Weiss. Each week, I chat with an inspiring person that will help you expand your mind, open your heart, and give you one thing to think about on your journey towards great love. Thanks for hanging with me today. Here we go. Do you know what kundalini yoga is? Well, if you're like most people, you probably don't. And up until about 18 months ago, I was right there with you. Until one day, my partner asked me if I would take a class with her because she was considering signing up for a nine-month kundalini teacher training program and wanted to see if the instructor would be a good fit for her. She had been told that this woman, Hari, was the best of the best. And she asked me if I would go with her to take Hari's class. So... Now, we go into this class, and I meet Hari, and she's wearing all white and a white turban, and she greets me at the door, and she's just got this this unbelievable energy. It's palpable. It's everywhere. She just oozes wisdom. And, well, the class consisted of various exercises and breath work, all of which I had never done before. Honestly, Kundalini is super weird. But the teacher, Hari... She led the experience with so much fire and balance and joy and love and inspiration. I was transfixed. I knew I had so much to learn from her about life and love and leadership and kundalini. Once we finished, my partner asked me if I'd come back to take another class. I told her that not only was I going to take more classes, but I was going to sign up for the teacher training program with her. When I walked up to thank Hari for the class, the first words out of her mouth were, you know, you should really teach this stuff. So fast forward 18 months. Last June, I graduated and became a certified kundalini teacher. What? what? And in the process, Hari became one of my most profound friends and mentors. So it was an honor to have her do an interview with me. And so we had this live interview in New York City where we talked about her life before discovering kundalini yoga, the mystical relationship she shares with her husband, that foreplay should last 72 hours, that sex should be fun, that we should never take away another person's grace, and so much more. Hari's wisdom around the human experience and how to enjoy every bit of it has been life-changing for me. And so I'm grateful to share this conversation with you. In addition to her teaching and teacher trainings, Hari has also written two books, A Woman's Book of Yoga and A Woman's Book of Meditation. Uh, She's an epic human being. I hope you find something special for yourself in this episode. Thanks for listening. Here we go. So, um, Hari, maybe... um uh, for, for, for everyone here, uh, can you tell them just a little bit, just give everyone a little bit of background around you and like w- your kundalini practice and like just a little bit more about you, so just for context around like, you know, who you are. Thank you yeah. for inviting me. And um, this is a topic I love. So I'm, I love love. So it's really true. I do. And um, as a practitioner and studying and teaching kundalini yoga, it was one of the first or maybe the only yoga form at that time in the, when I met it in the 80s, where it really was, I felt, for human beings in the world, where sexuality was openly discussed, relationships was openly discussed, um, uh, feelings, emotions, um, how to be happy, Uh, was openly discussed. Let me say that again. Sexuality was openly discussed. And most yoga forms at that time were more ascetic forms that I loved as well. But this was really eye-opening because um, I'm 61, so when I was growing up, it wasn't a very open conversation. So to be in a group of people with this wise Eastern teacher who's very kind of crazy too, um, you know, big personality and everything, just so openly discussing details about sexuality, about being happy, about being fulfilled in life, about, you know, elevating that 
feeling of and that desire of longing that we have in our bodies, right? It's in our bodies, was amazing. And it was one of the major things on my spiritual path that, that I really loved about the yoga. It was that it felt good and there was no like uh, blocking of those feelings. And uh, he elevated women quite extensively. So I have two books. I wrote a woman's book of yoga, woman's book of meditation, and I teach courses for women because he's uh, uh, back in the 70s when he, when he came in the early 70s, he heard women were called chicks. This is the story. And they said, did you just call her a chick? And they go, yeah, that's what we call women. He goes, they are not chicks, they are eagles, and we just founded the Grace of God woman, uh, movement for women, and that's it. If you're calling women chicks, you don't know what a woman is. And everybody got quiet, and he goes, let me tell you. what." A and we were like... So, so Yogi so Bhajan... really great. Yeah, he, he helped you understand that you were an eagle. I'm an eagle. Okay, so... Um, I think that's a really good place to jump off. Um, fly from. Yeah, fly from. Let's fly. Fair, fair enough. Let's I love fly. that. You know, Touchpoint, um, uh, how, many, how many people here have ever been to Touchpoint know what Touchpoint is? Okay, so Touchpoint is a town hall about love and sexuality oh, where people you. share stories uh, from, you know, what they're learning in bed and love and in life. And, um, and so I ask, I ask a lot of questions. Okay. Um, do I have permission to ask you questions about your love life? Yes. Okay. So tonight is really, I really, you know, we've learned so much from Hari. I have learned so much from Hari, but I really wanted to take the time to get to really know Hari for the eagle that she is. So my first question for you is actually about this time before you meet Yogi Bhajan before you step into this, because it seems like that was a real profound moment for you. There was a real awakening that happened in that moment. You underwent it. But where were you at in your life, specifically romantically, when you stepped in, like before you stepped into that? Um, well, I was, um, like, a few years before, I was single. I was living in, on the beach in uh, Marblehead, Massachusetts. He's working in an ad agency. Not a good fit. <laughs> but it was creative back then. You know, it was really creative, but also a little bit like Mad Men, a little leftover man. Oh, God. Cigarettes in the office, all that thing. So it wasn't a good fit. I had a, um, uh, for whatever reason it was, I used to have migraines. I had a stroke, and I became I, I How had, old were you? I was in my late 20s when I had a stroke. So I had a profound near-death experience, like a big one. And I'd been a religious kid, and I'd been always a seeker, always. Very religious, used to talk to God on the phone. What's I, his number? Yeah, I was taken, well, he called me. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Go figure, God has Hari's phone number. Because yeah. <laughs> I would pick up the phone, my mother would say, who's on the phone? God. And she goes, okay, she took me to the doctor. But uh, he, he said, there's nothing wrong. She just likes talking to God. So, um, and, you know, besides being a coping mechanism, it was this extraordinary, comforting thing for me as a child. So I had that, and I was always seeking. And I was, uh, you know, some people are like, they like, uh, I was a sensation seeker. Like, I liked going hiking in the winter by myself. I was a scuba diving, became a scuba diving teacher, scuba diving under the ice, you know, crazy things, crazy things that I would do because I liked to feel myself. I liked the feeling of being alive. And I think that's, uh, uh, so after, before I met Yogi Bhajan, I had had that near-death experience. And what I did what everybody does after a near-death experience. I joined a rock and roll band. <laughs> and I was playing uh, piano, and I have great hair, and... Um, I went to take some lessons, and the, f the first person I met after that near-death experience, which I had no interest in, I was so in love with life. It, was, it just filled me up so much that I didn't have any interest anymore in trying to find a guy. But I, there's my, there was this jazz guy I was taking piano lessons with, and that became my husband. And so we've, uh, I met Yogi Bhajan right around the time that I, that I met him, 
and I, we, we've been married 30 years. Wow. Okay, so, so you and Dave have been together for 30 years, and Dave came into your life similarly around the same time that Yogi Bhajan came into your life. Okay, so now what I want to know is, because theoretically everyone in this room could become you. Uh, so <laughs> let's say it's before you meet Dave. Dave's like a new kind of guy. You're like a new kind of person. You just went through this near-death experience. What did your romantic life look like? Were you, who were you dating? Who were you, had you had your heart broken? Were you in love? Had you experienced oh, love? Yeah, what did yeah, love yeah. look like before Dave and Yogi Bhajan and Turbans? Two very beautiful long-term relationships. You know, one lovely man with a um, red MG who lived in Florida. <laughs> An MG? What do you call those little cars? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, no, it was a, a sports car. A yeah. Nice one. It was a long time ago, I guess. So you were dating a guy because he had a nice car? Well, he was a nice guy, too, but he also <laughs> had a very nice car. Okay, cool. Okay, okay, so there's That's him. That's how I remember him at this point in my life. Yeah. How long were you two together? About eight years. That's like a long time. Yeah, wait, and the other one you? was in college, was about six years, yeah. Okay, so wait, how old were you when you met the guy you were dating? What's it, does he, can we give him a name? Yeah, Bob. Bob. Yeah. So, how, so how did you meet, like, you, you're with Bob for eight years, and what ages are those? How old are you when you meet I Bob? I don't remember these things. Okay, fine. Yeah. So, you're with Bob. Why doesn't it work with Bob? He moved to Florida. Okay. Also, so, eight years, okay, so also, that's it. Also, <laughs> no, I'll tell you really what happened is when I had a stroke, the difficulty was that he was caring for his aging parents at the time. He was a little bit older, and they had emphysema. And had to, to think of a, woman, uh, a possible partner who had a stroke and the, that what that might entail for the rest of your life, little did he know. <laughs> but uh, it didn't make sense, and I totally understood that because I didn't know what was going to become of me either. Right? So I totally, so moving out of my, you know, didn't make any sense. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. And, and, uh, and so, so he was with you during the stroke? No, I had, I had, um, yeah, right after, but we didn't, uh, yeah, he, I didn't see him much after that. After that. It was a very, uh, you know, a stroke can be a powerful experience. So it was a, um, I just never heard of a 25 year old person having a stroke. Anyone? Is that a thing that yeah. anybody, I mean, so it sounds like that's wild. I have uh, very serious illnesses in homeopathic doses. Okay. That, Thank you. I got a huge so I get applause to from that person. I got a, so I can talk about them, yeah. I guess, so as a teacher, maybe. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. So I recovered well. I still have some things from it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, okay, so then we fast forward. I think it's just interesting, you know, for me, you know, uh, so many of us have been in relationships or, or long-term relationships and, and maybe for reasons that are like, I enjoy this person or they have a nice car. Um, and, uh, and it's nice to know that there's like another, we can evolve, we can move beyond that, we can find something else. So now you find Dave, you come out of this experience, you find Dave. So what was it about Dave? How is Dave different than Bob? That was uh, destiny or intuition. Definitely, because when we met, there wasn't this, like, electric spark or anything. And I really, you know, I love music. My whole life, I have the, a soundtrack to my whole life. I remember every song since I was a child and all the, you know, great music of the 60s, 70s, not so good, but not so bad, and in the 80s. But really, it's a whole soundtrack. So I've always, you know... When I was a, back in the hippie days, we used to sit around the fire, and I was told I'd, everyone knew I'd marry a musician, and I did, and live on an island. I knew that at 12. And The I, island you envisioned was Manhattan? Well, back then it was Nahant Island. I didn't envision <laughs> okay. Manhattan. Okay. But uh, there, you know, so the music really spoke loudly to me, and the whole kind of passion of that. The passion of music is 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 just it's just very sexy to me. It's very attractive and it's very merging. It's something you can really merge into. 
And uh, since he plays the piano four or five hours a day and is absorbed in that, he's very, that that music was uh, awoken me also a passion. It's a shared passion. So, so now, so you meet, so you meet Dave. This is before you enter into the world of Kundalini and Yogi Bhajan. Mm -hmm. Right, about very close. Very close. So now you must have undergone a pretty profound transformation, right? Because when Dave met you, you probably were not wearing a white turban. Absolutely. Right? You probably, I don't know, like, you know, you're, you, you're, Hari is your spiritual name mm -hmm. that you, you know, people know you by. But you just mm -hmm. had a, a different, there was a different version of, mm -hmm. of you, mm -hmm. right? Yes. How, how did that transition, how did that transition affect your relationship? Because I find that like in a lot of relationships, a lot of times, you know, relationships end because people say like, this person has changed so much. And like, you know, change can sometimes be a real relationship killer. And you changed in such profound ways. So how, how was that evolution? And how did it affect your partnership? You know, I, I, I actually coach a lot of people on this because my husband was so graceful. He became my husband, but he's so graceful. As I would leave the house, uh, I mean, I could tell the whole story, but he knew immediately when I said, I did this thing with someone with a white turban. He knew immediately. He said to me, oh, and he went into his filing cabinet, which was a garbage bag, like every jazz musician. That's what they're filing him. And he reached in and he pulled out the teachings of Yogi Bhajan and he said, this is that teacher. And I looked and we said, he said, oh no, oh my God, oh my God, you're going to do the whole thing, I see it. And I said, no, I'm not gonna do that. And the next day, literally, within the week, I was like wearing white and all that. And he used to, as I used to run out of the house, he'd go, there goes Florence of Arabia, out to save the world. <laughs> and, but, the, but the bottom line is about that change is that every person has a spiritual longing. And it's not the same as someone you might love. You know, it's really uh, the passion you have for a person and the passion that actually is built on the passion you have for your own longing and seeking, that to me is very um, physical. It's a very physical feeling to seek God or to seek love, like big love. It's a very physical experience for me. And so I didn't feel they were different, and neither did my husband. Because as an artist, he says, hey, man, everybody's got to find it. You got to find it. You just got to find it. And so uh, he dresses all in black. I dress mostly all in white. And that's how it goes. And it's perfect. It's really perfect. So when you think that it's different and that you have to have, all a belief system really is, is that people get together and develop a language so they can talk about how much they're longing to be together. So if someone has a different language, you don't throw them out. You try to learn their language. Right? That's all a belief system is. So people of different belief systems can easily get along if they just are willing to learn the different languages. So my husband and I still fight about it. I don't believe that's going to happen after we, we... Now we're older, so we say, what's going to happen after you die? And those are our arguments. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't believe in that pre-incarnate. You know, so it's... Uh, you got to have something to rub up against, literally. You know, you have to. Something's got to not be working. It has to not be working or else you have to fall in with your polarity, fall in love with the polarity of yourself. You can't fall in love. It's, you have to. It, otherwise, it's just you, and you is you, and that's great. But that's, that fulfillment, of course, has to happen based on the Whitney Houston song, right? W which song? You don't know the Whitney Houston song? I mean, she has a few. What, sing it I to us. I can't sing, no. I'm oh, she can sing. You can sing. No, I'm not going to sing. Oh, you can. I have heard no. you. No, I'll play but the it's videos. Like the, um, what is the one? I found that love inside of me. Oh, there the you love go. I was looking for is okay. inside of me. That's beautiful. And so that love, once you get that passion from your own longing, it's easier. It's easier. You must feel it in you, in your body in your body, not an intellectual thing. So to seek it out is important. It's very important. So he knew that, because he was a spiritual guy for since, since a young age. Dave you know? was a spiritual guy? Oh yeah, 
What does that mean? He was just always meditating, doing different meditations. And this is before say, he met you? Yeah, I mean, well, think about improvising music for five hours, you know. His eyes are rolled back, you know. He's yeah. like channeling in the musical realms. It's very, a very spiritual experience. Well, music is a big part of your life. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, you know, you're referencing... Uh, you're referencing uh, Whitney Houston in our last session. Uh, in our last session, now I'm not going to talk about, it, and I promise you, I won't show the video of her singing "I Will Survive." But um, thank you. But I do have that, and, and that's we'll a threat. Just, that's yeah. a threat. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but no. But she did. You you, you played uh, you played Public Enemy. I think you played Public Enemy, uh, and so your musical tastes are are profound. Um, so. Dave was a big supportive force in this in this transition. Um, did he adopt? Did did any of it? You know, become? Did that language at all become part of his language? Absolutely, he practices Kundalini Yoga. Love loves it. Yeah. Yeah. Every day, very disciplined guy. Does he practice with you? No. 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 Is that important that he doesn't practice with you? Is that like a thing or? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No. Okay. Because you gave, you gave Aaron and I these meditations yeah. to do as a couple. That's very nice. Yeah. yeah. It's very nice if you can. Dave will, you, do, you know, he meditates. We, we, it's all different schedules. He sleeps about every four hours. It's a crazy thing. <laughs> okay. So, so let's talk about the craziness. All right. Because I think that uh, what's so funny is that she came here. Can you tell them about the story with Dave? The, so, the conversation you had before you walked in here. All right. So actually, it involves a text Liam sent me. He said, have fun with a little smiley face. And I know when he has a little smiley face, he goes, ah, you know. I said, oh, what is this person going to talk about, love and sex? So I called my husband on the way here, and I said, he's going to ask me about my sex life. And I said, so I'm a graceful woman, and let's come up with a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Let's come up with something good. So we were laughing hysterically, and this is what, it, what we came out with, uh, that I still blush every time he walks in the room. Did right, he write Liam? that or did you? No, it's true, isn't it, Liam? Yeah, if he comes in the room, I get I'm like, it's really interesting, right? It's really something. The room can't believe it. After 30 years, I get all, I'm all like, oh, that's my husband. <laughs> I get like a little kid. It's fantastic. And I, can, I forget what I'm saying. It's we were really talking funny. about your sex life. Hi. Right. So he, what we said, wait a minute, I'll get the whole thing. This is what I'm going to say. That when he comes in the room, I blush. We've been married for 30 years. And he is, is a happy, productive man with no complaints. No complaints. <laughs> no complaints in your sex life. I didn't say that. I just said no complaints. Okay. So and happy. Uh, yeah. And that we're both very happy. Okay. So And that's about sex too. Because if two partners are happy, that's a big deal. And it's really there's the world is as varied as each individual person. And when you're with a person, you've got to work it out. You've got to work it out. Things change. You've got to work it out. So if two people can find happiness in that merger, that's pretty miraculous. That's like God on earth to me. It's a miraculous thing that two people can find happiness being together. Okay, so you've been sleeping with Dave for 30 years. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that relationship has evolved a lot. Yeah. And so um, one of the things that I've heard a lot at Touchpoint is that um, sex in a relationship, you know, can get boring, or or people could be in long-term relationships and they don't feel safe enough to really express their needs, and it's and you know one of the things that you just said is that you know he's satisfied and and that you're satisfied, um, yes. but one of the things I found is that people like. There's an assumption often that people are satisfied, but it's usually because there's a lack of real discourse or conversation, and so then we don't really know. We just assume if they keep sleeping with us, they must enjoy this. Right. Right? Right. But that's usually not the case. Right. So I think that what I'm interested to know is, like, 
being the being the the very uh, articulate and authoritative uh, and graceful. Uh, I added human. that last one to him before the evening began. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, I believe she said, don't take away my grace. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what, in, in, in all of that, like, how do you know that you're both satisfied? What kind of communication do you have? What kind of dynamic have you cultivated in which that's something that you know for sure? Well, we've had 30 years of practice, really. And uh, that takes patience. So we have a patient dynamic. And also, I had, you know, uh, I had a fun education with Yogi Bhajan. So there's a lot to experiment with, really. I had a fun education about how women's bodies are and how men's bodies are. And um, that's always evolving because our bodies change as we get older. You know, things do change. Um, people do get illnesses. Things happen together. So you have to shift. It's not one thing ever. Sexuality is as changeable as the cells in your body. And that is really important, I believe, to understand is that it's changeable. Like, and uh, also a very big thing is what we've cultivated is there's an understanding that under like really stressful times, sometimes it's just not, you know, and not a sexual time. And under other times, it's a very sexual time. So there's, you know, an acknowledgement of where you're coming from as an individual person. Because even if you're in a marriage, it might not be a, sec a stressful time for one of you, but one of you may be really in a very difficult situation, you know, mentally really working with something. So both partners have to really acknowledge that about each other. And then there's compromises, right? There's compromises. And it's, you know, <laughs> my aunt, who just died this year at 99, was asked after 75 years of marriage to the same man, she said, he, in, it, it would be hard if it was 75 to two different ones. That'd be very old. And um, <laughs> so she, she stood up in her synagogue, and they said, how, how, how did you do this? And she said, Always listen and never say no. And I looked at her, and she's in her 90s. And I said, really? She goes, yeah. Just always listen and never say no. And there's this playfulness that human beings can always have, no matter how stressed out you are. There's a playfulness that is sexual in nature that is very fulfilling. Does that make sense to you? There's, there's a playfulness in sexuality and that playfulness as you especially as you go through life needs to be given some attention some joy and that's why um, I really learned about that playfulness in learning that in the teachings of Tantra and Kundalini Yoga that foreplay is 72 hours long wait what 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 what? So just explain what you just said. I think I'll let it sit. And My look mind like is that exploded. Yeah. Wait, foreplay. Seventy-two hours minimum. Seventy-two hours minimum. 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 Seventy-two hours. Yeah. Okay. All right. So tell us what foreplay. Is. <laughs> what is foreplay like? You know, it's interesting because I always like to say to people, when does sex start? Yeah. You know, when does it start? Does it start when I like make a face at you? Does it, st you know, and it doesn't, it could be a silly face, but you know, a face. Yes, it does. Does it start with a text message? Does it start when we're both naked? Does it start when, you know, when does sex start? And everybody seems to have different uh, definitions. And it seems like Yogi Bhajan here had a real philosophy that it starts <laughs> three days before before anything that most people that I know would consider sex actually even starts. Right, because sex isn't always... So right now, second Aaron, chakra, right it's now here, we're in the midst of here, foreplay. Here, I'm just letting you know. Okay, so I, know, I don't know if you can feel it, but it's happening. 
Okay. So now, what they don't know is they did just start, and we all are part of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is so good. So they it's just—it's gotten they really just, weird. It's getting really weird. They just began, and probably we don't want to start the watch now and no you know but probably <laughs> or you just went there <laughs> about 72 hours she's going to be going hey you said that like a couple <laughs> you know so i'm not kidding all right so tell us about what 72 because hours because you just you. stimulated her we're in four but this is happening right now you're yes. a part of it so <laughs> <laughs> i didn't see this going this way but we're here yeah because <laughs> Because it's a glandular system. And so in, he was just, there was a lot of flirting there, right? And it just got everybody all giggly and all this. Like, so oh, are I they, am I having, is there, are we all in this together? Kind though? of, you did this, so you I did, did this. this. I didn't intend, I didn't intend to turn this he into that. He always says that, he says, I don't intend. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so tell us. So the 72 hours, how did, you know, this sounds like a really significant thing that it's you learned really from. It's really beautiful. Yeah, it's a so beautiful teaching yeah, because what it means it. is they spoke to each other through their sixth chakra. Through their sixth chakra, it was safe for them to say that to each other in this space. They've developed that, right? And so if it's not safe, then she didn't receive it because we all have antenna. And he just threw something to her antenna. If her antenna's up, it's going to receive it. And her glandular system is going to start cooking. And that's how it goes. I know it's embarrassing. Are you cooking? Isn't it? It's kind of cooking. Is she this cooking? Is, she's it? not cooking? She's, oh, she doesn't see shy. Oh, she's cooking. <laughs> oh, that's the cooking face. So, so the 72 hours means it's, a, it's the wink of an eye. It's um, so many miracles have happened with uh, women wanting to conceive and people wanting to uh, improve their intimacy through uh, conversations and kundalini yoga and studying these kinds of things that it's been really healing for so many of us to study it, like so healing. How is it healing for and, you? Well, it's healing because you get, it gives sexuality a lot of space, these wise teachings. It gives it space to happen. Do you know? And um, we, all, we all need that kind of space because the only way you create safe space is to have a process within yourself. That's the only way it happens. You know, you don't say, okay, we're going to draw a circle and now that's a safe space. You have to feel that. You have to feel it inside you. You have to feel it around you. All of those things have to be in alignment for you uh, to ideally have, according, you know, great intimacy. And so the 72 hours just acknowledges the, the stress that people are under, the amount of a time it can take for a woman's glandular system to really get in the mood if she's got children or she's busy and she's doing many things, and same with a man. And so people think spontaneity is the only thing, but spontaneity is part of it that happens sometimes. But that flirting and that teasing is also a lot of fun. And it's not quite as spontaneous, but you know, you're tending to a very tender flame, right? So um, it's nice, it's a very nice thing. So. Spontane spontaneousness, it gets too much attention, I believe, you know? Wow, okay. Well, that, that was amazing. Um, hi, baby. Um, so I, I feel like in some sense, to close the loop on that, you know, that little conversation you had with Dave out there? Mm -hmm. I can't wait to see what you're doing 72 hours from now, Hari. <laughs> Um, we have mics. I know that there are mics out here. Um, I would love to be able to open up the floor if anybody has any questions, things they've been thinking about. Um, time with her is just like, honestly, like it's such a gift and I'm so grateful that she's here with us. Uh, so uh, is there anybody who has a question, something they're thinking about that they'd love to open up the space? 
and uh, please ask. And it's ask. the best way. It's the best way. Even ask a question that you know someone else has, but you don't have. Somebody will put up their hand. Watch. Just go like this. Okay, right here. She's right here. It's so funny, you know, a touch point, for those of you that have not been, it's 100 people sitting in a circle talking about their love and sex lives. And, I, you know, sometimes I'll put it out there and say, you know, who wants to share? And I always have to wait. And sometimes there's a real resilience there where I have to, like, hold out. And it gets a little awkward. But sometimes that awkwardness is just too much for just one person. They're like, I can't deal with this anymore. And somebody needs to save this man. He's drowning. So thank God you're here. <laughs> I went to my last touch or my first touch point last week. Oh, you did? Yeah. Did went, you have a good experience? Oh my god, it, yes. Oh my god, it was amazing. God. So, but I regret not raising my hand last time. So I was like, I can't do that again. Ah, okay, <laughs> perfect. Well, thank God you're here. So uh, talk to us. So I'm very interested in this, but I also wonder if you think there is like a, a healthy amount of sex, like there should be in a relationship, like even weekly. I mean, I'm just wondering your thoughts on that. It changes a lot, but I like what Yogi Bhajan said, too much is too much and too little is too little. So you, you, that really is up to what, how old you are, where you are in life, where, what kind of stress level you have, and what works between two people. So you have to work that out, because if one person would wants more than the other person. You have to work it out. And there's ways to understand your own sexuality. And the way to understand it is, um, is the sexual is sexuality. Um, if you feel if your partner feels that you want it want too much sex, you know, maybe you can have a conversation about how that sexuality is being used. Is it for communication? Is it for comfort? Is to solve some fear that that may happen? Is helping them through a tough time, right? Or is it like this insatiable longing that this, they like empty hole, we call it like a deep empty well, in which case some self-healing is really something to go through, some discussions and some self-healing about that empty well, because nobody else can fill that well, no matter how much you might want that from your partner, no matter how much a partner might want to help you. It's really, that might indicate, you know, let's go, let's look at other things. Let's look at how you're f living your passion. And if it's too little, um, uh, try some kundalini yoga. <laughs> if you feel the libido right now because of technology, you know that there's evidence that even for young men in high school, that their libidos, and they should be pretty strong, are lessening. And they're struggling. So we have to look at our lifestyle and look at whether we're relaxing with each other, we're spending time with each other, where will we get enough alone time? What are we eating? Are we eating just sugar and caffeine? You know, are we killing our natural sexual energy? And sometimes in life, if you're being really creative, starting a company or something, you may be transforming that sexual energy into creative energy. Too. And so it's like going through you in a different way, so you may want less. So there's all kinds of ways. Once you get open and talk about what sexual energy is and how uh, powerful a life force it is, then you can like say, how do, we, how do we use that energy? How do I experience that energy? You know, it's part of my vitality. How, you know, how, how, what, what feels right to me now in my life? Is, does that make sense? There was, you know, they used to quote Yogi Bhajan on this thing that um, sometimes uh, that if you, uh, that people shouldn't get so upset who've been in relationships for a long time, that there's a period of time after a relationship been together that having sex twice a month isn't terrible. Like, don't, don't get upset about it, you know? That can happen. And, and it can also be more frequent. But to not get too upset about it over the long run because we change. And so don't worry that somebody doesn't love you, but talk to them. You know, and there's many things that people can do with cuddling and snuggling. And there's so many nice things that can also be, you know, good for intimacy. Okay. Okay, who else has a question? 
I see now the hands are going up. Thank God you, you did that right here. Yeah. Um, this word grace, being graceful, has been mentioned several times. What's your definition of grace, like feminine grace? Knowing my values and not bartering them for anything. Just, I'm not for sale, period. For any price. To anyone. So, there's an, um, a nobility and that um, we so long to make a connection that sometimes that's a really hard thing to do because we want to connect. But that's, to, that's grace to me that I'm remembering that I'm not going to be unkind, that I'm not going to be unkind. That means not just to someone else, but to myself. I'm not going to um, not tell the truth to myself. You know, and so the things, the way to know that what's important to you is the things that you do. That you know when you can't sleep at night because you made a mistake. How many? Yeah, made a mistake. Yeah. Um, those things are really, really usually deep ones. Like somehow you didn't trust your own intuition, or you didn't have faith in someone else that they could come through, and out of fear or something in the past. And that's how we learn. We make those mistakes and go, you know, next time I'm going to try to hold on to that kindness, and I'm going to try, you know. So you look at some values that you have. If you want that grace and that hope to be a, 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 the values that are important to you, try to like find about three and live with them for a while. And no matter what happens during the day, have it be your context. And if something happens, just be still and not give in. It's hard. It's not easy. And you know, wearing a turban wasn't easy all the time. And now I like it very, very much. But it was a reminder to do that. It put me in a position to help me do that. And so this whole thing for me was an experiment. Oh, can I say something funny about the, this? You can say whatever you want. So my husband, he's, he's just a lovely, lovely person, great person. So when I say this, it's, he has a great sense of humor. So I say this knowing he's a very, very divine man. And what he said was that he loved the turban. He fell in love with the turban. At first, he, he, he did not like it. But over the years, many years later, 15 years later, he said, or 20 years later, he actually said to me, I like that turban. Yogi Bhajan did well. Because I was getting older, you know, things change, and the looks change, and... Uh, he said, it's so amazing because sometimes as a man, we look and we imagine what a woman looks like undressed. That's what a man might do. And he said, but when we look at the women dressed like you, we imagine what they would look like without their turban. It's a little higher energy. <laughs> we wouldn't dare go to that. So that's just an interesting story about it. And uh, there's all kinds of science of wearing this, wearing a, something over the breasts that is traditional in, a, um, in Indian culture. But the technology behind it is breasts are very attractive. We agree, no? I mean, they, yeah, they're very attractive because why? I bet you never understood why. No, you know, you know why? Because a woman can turn blood to milk. A woman can feed a child from her own body. That's huge. So every man and every woman looks at that, and there's a very deep symbol of that power. It's very attractive. So people look here a lot. 
And uh, these break the gaze. We have an arc line here. And it breaks the gaze. And it doesn't let... And there was a, there was a comedy skit on Saturday Night Live a long time ago. And all the women came out of the space capsule and they were covered like in some kind of bodysuits. And it covered their face and they had eyes on their breasts with blinking eyelashes because that's where everybody looked. So women's eyes evolved to move down here because that's where everybody was looking. So I thought that was very funny. And we did too, Harry. We did okay. too. So, um, this, so all these little techniques to just know the wisdom about that, about like organic nature of being in human bodies can help you uh, keep your grace and do a research project on it for yourself. When I taught uh, young people, young girls especially, um, we used to, I would, yeah, that was when the pants were very low. You know, when the, what was that, the very low style? Like, way low. Very low, I don't know. But, you know. So uh, then they'd wear the higher top. And so the women were doing that. So I had an experiment where they would go to a party and cover that and just not talk so much when they came into the room and just be still. And they said, nobody's going to talk to me. And I said, no, no, I know a woman's power. It's not going to be like that. They walked in, and of course, the stories came like, oh my god. Everybody was crowding around me because they just were in their graves. They were thinking about what they really wanted, you know, the kind of person they really wanted to meet instead of like, I'm not, I, want, I wanted the best one here. You know, what is the kind of man you want to meet? What is the kind of experience you want to have? And then it was an incredible experience, you know, that they didn't need to sell their body to get that. And that wasn't about the sexuality, but they didn't need to do it. They still were able to find love and meet someone, right? And that was a big deal. Okay. Um, I saw you had your hand up. Yeah. So we have two. We have one here and one over there. So she's just going to get to the microphone. If anybody wants to come and sit here, it's very nice up here. Please feel free. It's very cozy. Hi. Um, Hi. Thank you so much for the talk. It's been amazing. I was also at your talk last weekend, and it was awesome about hooking up under the influence. Oh, okay. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was wondering, what are your thoughts on Kundalini awakening, and especially as it manifests as sexual energy, and, you know, why does it happen, and what do you do now that it has? Wow. Okay. Um, and, and to build on that, do you feel I have had a kundalini <laughs> awakening? In your professional <laughs> Don't answer that, don't answer that. Um, so... Sometimes uh, in the tradition I've studied in, what people call kundalini awakenings are really what we call prana. They're working through things that might be uh, stuck in you and you're, you're being asked to open your mind in a new way, in a new uh, experiment with something new in life that was uncomfortable before. And you, would, you actually get successful or, or something, or you, uh, you, you, something that was afraid, you were afraid to do, you do, and that opens up a lot in you. So that opens up some floodgates, and that fear is gone, and then you can have a real physiological response to that. Your glandular system just goes wild with that release. Um, a real kundalini awakening is uh, uh, an extraordinary time where you're, you actually have a heightened awareness where you're your nervous system, your glandular system, and your circulatory system are at the height of where you're at. And it's all really, the wheels are really turning in the physical body. And that you've, um, you start getting access to wisdom. But the physical body stuff uh, often is pranic, and you, it would be very good to, like, usually exercise, get in the water, you know, relax, eat well, um, and it's definitely happening. I mean, somebody 
Yogi Bhajan told us, wear these turbans because soon people will stop you in the street because they're having spiritual experiences. It's happened three times in the past two months, right in Midtown Manhattan. So he stopped me, bought me a cup of coffee, and said, I have to talk to you. I'm having a kundalini experience. <laughs> I said, okay, can I buy you a cup of coffee? So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting. So the kundalini experience, it, it, and, and definitely if you practice any good yoga practice, really, because all yoga is designed to do this, any good yoga practice with kindness in your heart and a longing to open up, can, can, can open you up, and it can be very surprising how much sexual energy you have, right? And um, so there's definitely all kinds of things you can do, and then once, it's pretty great, because once that happens and you can experience all that energy, it's very wonderful to know that you have that. And so once you calm it down, go talk to me or somebody, you know, and, and we help you calm it down. It's not, don't get too upset about it, you know, don't get too, and then you like calm down and you go, wow, this is a pretty exciting body to be in. And you know, this body is very much misunderstood. You know, there's a lot of interesting things going on in here. And so all of you here have a body, enjoy it, and do some research, enjoy it, because it doesn't stay forever. And if you want to really nourish good, you know, love as a sensation, and sexuality as a really good sensation, you know, study it a little bit, like explore who you are, what's important to you, and what, what makes you happy. Don't just, like, go for the other. It's like... The other is not going to make you happy, but, but the other might match your happiness. That's different, right? You see, that's different. Like, my husband does make me happy because I chose the musician, I chose it carefully, and I chose it from here. You know, the first time I met him, I said, are you kidding? I'm not attracted to the... I, you know, you know, I, I didn't believe it. It was my girlfriend who told me, you're going to marry this guy. I'm going to marry this guy. And then it was, we just knew we had to get married. We knew it. So there's, let this gland work too. Everything that's going on in the horniness and the sexuality is coming first from here. So it can be as sacred as you want it to be. That's up to you. And sacred doesn't mean, you know, not fun. Please. <laughs> it doesn't mean not fun. So something could be sacred and, and yeah, naughty. Very. Love that. Sacred and naughty. Is that possibly a, a new book from, uh, from Hori? <laughs> I would read that. I know that you're working on a new book. I am. Okay. All right, so we have time for two more questions, and I'm curious where they're coming from. I see one hand over here. Oh, and I see one hand over here. So, so hold on. Let her... Come to you with the mic so we can get that and we can all hear. How are you feeling, Ari? Do you want your, your juice? I can hand it to you. Here. I know it's far away. It's a slippery. <laughs> yeah, here. Have the juice. Take a, take a sip. Okay. It's so good, right? So when we finish here, by the way, they have juices upstairs for everybody on the 12th floor. There's an elixir bar up there that's like phenomenal. And they have these insanely delicious elixirs and juices. And you should go up there and snag one uh, there. Please ask me lots of questions. I yeah. like the questions. Yeah, yeah. We're getting there. It's just okay. plugging the juice bar. OK. Thank You're you. up. Thank you. Um, so I'm also going through a Kundalini awakening experience. Um, and it was started by meeting my twin flame, or so as I've read. Um, and we'd had a really fantastic, deep, emotional relationship, but we're like not together whatsoever. But like, so as I've, as I've gone through my journey of spirituality in the last year, I've realized like, oh, this is my person. And so my question is, how do you cope with one like not being with that significant other? Or like, how do you cope with that overwhelming amount of love that you feel for someone that you don't necessarily feel for them um, in, like, in this lifetime, but you just feel that like their soul energy or whatever makes us come together and have those experiences like that. How do you cope with that? So 
we have so many experiences and you fall in lo love like these love has got a weird definition you know we'd have to have a whole thing what you've called it love and sex I, I think this is a question about love this question about that deep and powerful longing that somehow in that group or that that aura with that person you feel right fulfilled in that it's incredible you know uh some people come into our lives just to give us an, that experience, even though they're not going to stay. You know, and it's true. Like some people actually die die way early than you would want them to, and um, they we just get so many gifts from people. So that longing, that gift of that longing and that love. Um, I, I would recommend a meditation experience so you can really feel it. And I believe if you really give yourself a chance to feel it in yourself through meditation, that it can transform you and it can give you creative energy and it can give you so many gifts for the rest of your life. You know, it could actually nourish many projects you know it's uh it's like an open portal it's like that person and sometimes people open doors for us right and they open portals for us and um, that door no one else can open it just like that right but that door is always there it's never going away even if the person is gone and you can go through that portal anytime you know as Above, so below. So if that's an energy experience, you can enjoy it for the rest of your life. You can enjoy it. Just turn the longing away from the physical person because people come and they do go, but it's all a reflection of God. Everything here is a play of God. Everything going on is a play of God. And God, I mean, you know, that energy that's here. So we're all feeling it or not feeling it at any time. And uh, so many gifts. That's a beautiful gift. One of the things that you said at our, uh, at our Kundalini training um, on this is that uh, love, your exact quote, I wrote it down, I've read it many times, was love is always present. If you're not feeling it, you're not feeling it, but it's always there. Um, and so I, I, I love that quote. OK, so we have time for, uh, for our friend over here. Oh. <laughs> Sit down. Yeah, great. Yeah. Um, well, thank you all, everybody, for being here, and Hadi for sharing your knowledge. And um, in Kundalini, we talk a lot of the changes that we are living uh, through the age or the Piscean age into the Aquarian age, and it's just a little bit of this jump uh, for human consciousness. And I was just thinking, if you can like share a little bit of this knowledge, how can we see the Aquarian age playing right now in relationships? Um, I have seen a lot of different, you know, women and men from my age particularly when they're starting to feel more entering into the adulthood that there is a little bit of this anxiety for finding that partner. And everybody is jumping, particularly in big cities like New York, into the social apps and dating online. And it feels that it's becoming the way in which we are connecting as humans to start a dialogue about love and relationship. And a lot of people are feeling anxiety because it's so many different profiles that you can choose in just one hour. You just go and swipe, 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 swipe. And you have already passed through the life of probably thousands of people in which either your intuition or your judgment through a picture is the one that is telling you that that person is a right match for you or not. And so how could Kundalini Yoga help people in this process too? How, how, how can Kundalini Yoga bring a little bit of this awareness into the Aquarian age through dating? Through dating. Oh, yeah, that's great. That's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful question. Um, wow. Uh, one thing is to realize where we're at. Don't forget that it wasn't very long ago that women were property. It's not that long ago. It's not that long ago that we didn't have conversations like this. It's not that long ago that 
the expectation on how people were to live their lives was very, very different. So a lot has happened and a lot has changed very quickly. So I want to congratulate all of you for coming to a conversation like this. And I hope you continue to create these conversations for yourself and your families, your friends, right? Um, it wasn't that long ago. So you, we are in a state of moving from the degradation of our bodies to an elevated, more spiritual relationship with our own body and each other. And that's not an easy transition. We had a very low energy on each other, you know? And it's a, hard, it's, a, it's a transition time. So there's a lot of confusion and anxiety because we really are longing to connect, but we still feel empty. You know, we long to connect, but we don't know who to choose, right? And so there's going to be this transition time. Yogi Bhajan said marriage would end. Everybody is going to be experimenting and trying different ways to be together and ways to live together so that we can elevate ourselves out of this madness of mockery and of the human form, of no respect for the body and no love of being human. Even in yoga, let's go outside the body, yet another way to spiritually bypass our human experience and take us away from what makes us happy. So for this Aquarian age, what, what, what he's talking about is this age of more, we want to enlighten ourselves, and I want to have a, a respectful relationship with you, and I'm hoping you'll have a respectful re relationship with me. So that is the place to start to, first of all, know it's a very confusing time and it's a lot of anxiety. In terms of making choices, try to, only, try to make them also from this intuitive self. Meditate, relax everybody, find time alone, be in nature, find a way to nourish yourself and relax. Relax, because you'll be wiser if you relax. Relax. Get into feeling your feelings again. Stop shutting down. Stop being. It, we not. We need to let the ma the feminine energy in. The feminine energy is the fluctuating energy. Stop trying to be one thing. Allow yourself to get some emotional intelligence about yourself and your feelings. Study them. Enjoy them. And through that self love, you'll make better choices. Um, but, you know, get to know somebody. <laughs> if it looks good, you know, you get to know somebody. But if it's wrong, don't, don't like, attach to it or something. It's, it's tough now. It's really tough. I was reading some statistics, I think, you know, uh, people searching for partners, a very high percentage of people searching, searching for the right partner, and it's frustrating. I urge you to relax yourself because you are pioneering a whole new paradigm. You really are, you know, and uh, it's not so easy to do that. I mean, we did that. I taught yoga in basements. It was a new paradigm, and, you know, I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> but you're, we're all, you're, you're in a very exciting time. So please find your values and your grace and your courage and your hope and come from there. You know, I remember telling Dave when I met him, I just had a near-death experience, for goodness sake. We were in a car, and he said, well, what do you want to do with your life? Because I didn't have a job. I didn't have a driver's license. You know, all these, you had no, you know, everything had disappeared. And I said what I felt, which was, I just want to tell everybody that I love them. That's all. I don't know how to do that because it's too weird. I can't even. I, and he, I looked at him. I said, "Whoops! Well, that is an interesting thing to say." And he looked at me and he went, "Cool, man. I think that's pretty cool." <laughs> and that's when I first I had this little spark. I was like, "Really?" He says, "Yeah, that's cool. We want every, we love everybody. That's that's a good thing." And so, 
be willing to be unshy about the highest values and the things you really want in life at the high, high level of consciousness, and that everything can come from there. Try that. Start with that. Don't be shy about that stuff, because that's where you are headed to relate to each other. So I know you want to go, oh, I just want to get it over with. It's just, that time is gone. That was my time. I meet you. You're a nice Jewish boy. Let's get married. <laughs> I was on the edge of that still, right? You're not in that time. You're working on your spiritual selves. It's not going to happen that way. You're not single. You're a pioneer. <laughs> um, no, you know what I mean. Are you? Did, I was does just any get that? Fun. I know, but it, just give yourself some space. So, Hari, um, thank you, You're everybody. Hari, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Touchpoint. You can learn more about us at lovetouchpoint.com and follow us on Instagram at, at lovetouchpoint. Have an inspired day, and we'll see you next week.